Welcome to another episode of Business Life and Coffee. Thank you for tuning in. Here on Business Life and Coffee, I want to make a point to use this podcast as a vehicle to start positive conversation around topics of importance in your business and life. So with this episode, we're covering various topics surrounding your health. We'll discuss long-term care with Andrew Buckley, Senior Vice President and Head of Insurance Solution Distribution Team at Lincoln Financial Group. We'll discuss National Bladder Health Month with Dr. Lisa Hawes, urologist and nationally recognized expert on bladder health issues, and Nicole Becker, a patient with overactive bladder. And finally, we'll discuss Liver Cancer Awareness Month with Dr. Myron Schwartz, the Henry Kaufman Professor of Surgery and Director of Liver Surgery at Mount Sinai Medical Center, and Thomas Nealon III, the National Board Chair and Chief Executive Officer of the American Liver Foundation. You won't want to miss any part of this episode. Now, a slight disclaimer. As you may imagine, the conversation can be graphic from a medical sense, but it's still safe for listeners of all ages. If one or more of these topics hit home, share this episode and help someone's health today. November brings colorful foliage and hints of winter, but it also means the start of National Long-Term Care Awareness Month. Joining us to share more on the topic is Senior Vice President of Lincoln Financial, Andrew Buckley. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. Recently, there was a a study that was published uh, regarding the impact of long-term care and the uh, impact that it has on our wallet and our lives. Uh, What were some of the key findings to the study? Joey, one of the key findings that came out of that study is, I call it the syndrome of it won't happen to me. But here's what we know. 70% of Americans age 65 or older will have a long-term care event in their life. But our survey that we recently did showed that only 20% of Americans actually believe that it could happen to them. That tells us there's a huge disconnect between reality and what people think. And how much can long-term care cost? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the cost of long-term care can be significant, whether it's in-home care, adult daycare, or being in a facility. You know, across the nation, the average cost of a long-term care facility is roughly $95,000 a year. But the survey that we did found that 70% of consumers underestimate the real true cost of long-term care. Can people rely on Medicare or Medicaid to cover their long-term care costs? You know, I'd be careful with that. Um, Those are two uh, very good social programs by the federal government, but Medicare only covers the first 100 days in a nursing home facility, and Medicaid will only cover the expenses once you've spent down your your life savings, including your home. So it's a welfare uh, program uh, that only picks up after you've spent all of your assets. So I would not, you know, plan on using those uh, as a first resort, only as a second resort. And what are the most important things that our listeners should be thinking about as it relates to long-term care? You know, I think there's three things that I would think about. First is, understand the cost of care in your area. You know, I just quoted the, the cost of long-term care across the nation at roughly 96000 a year. Those costs can be significantly higher uh, in the Northeast, as an example, and somewhat lower in other parts of the country. So understand the cost of care in your area. 
Second, talk to loved ones about your care plans. What are your desires? Do you want to stay in your home? Do you want to be in a, a long-term care facility so that your, that your loved ones understand what your desires are? And then third, I would seek out the advice from a professional. Talk to your financial advisor, talk to an insurance professional, and they can help you understand the different funding options that are available to you um, uh, in this area. Where can our listeners go for more information? Sure. I would uh, urge your listeners to go to our website, lfg.com LTC. You'll find a wealth of information there. Have a great day, Andrew. Thank you. You as well. November is National Bladder Health Month the perfect time to educate and empower individuals to get the facts about bladder health conditions such as overactive bladder and take an active role in their bladder health. Joining us today to share solutions and discuss the findings of a recent survey is urologist Dr. Haas with Nicole Becker, a patient with overactive bladder. Welcome. Good morning. So uh, tell us about National Bladder Health Month and the importance of taking an active role in your bladder health. As you mentioned, November is National Bladder Health Month. And the point of this program is to get patients and people with bladder concerns to talk about their bladder issues. Uh, the Urology Care Foundation is trying to raise awareness, education, and empower people to come forth and talk amongst themselves and with their physicians about these issues. Okay, and I mentioned that there was a recent survey. Can you share some of the findings from this, the survey that was just published? Estella's pharmaceutical company did a study to see what kind of words, code terms in general, people used. About a thousand people were surveyed to see what kind of code words they used. Things like taking a leak, going potty, peeing, going to the bathroom. And the whole point of this is that people aren't comfortable talking about how they need to go to the bathroom and urinate all the time. So they use these code words and euphemisms. A lot of times people kind of try to figure out how to get out of a meeting and come up with an excuse so they don't have to say, I have to go to the bathroom for the third time in this hour. Uh, people aren't comfortable with their problems. And the point is that if you have this issue, don't sit at home worried about it and be afraid to go outside. Go out to the store, come to your physician, and then we have options to take care of the problem. And what is overactive bladder and what causes it exactly? Overactive bladder is a constellation of symptoms. It's not a disease. But the most common concern is urgency. It's not just that I have to go to the bathroom every hour, every two hours, but when I gotta go, I gotta go right away. And a lot of times I don't get to the bathroom in, the t in time and I can't get my pants down fast enough. So I have to wear a liner or a pad or I'm wearing black all the time. The causes are multi multiple. Uh, and the treatments are also just as diverse. Uh, but oftentimes, uh, the issues are behavioral and the causes are behavioral and we can fix those easily. So for our female listening audience, uh, is the occasional accident that many women have as a result of coughing or sneezing the same as overactive bladder symptoms? There are multiple causes of urinary leakage uh, the most common that you just mentioned of I cough, sneeze, laugh, and I leak a little bit of urine is actually called stress incontinence. This is treated differently, and it's different from the urgency concern when I got to go to the bathroom and can't get there right away. And Nicole, uh, what symptoms did you experience with OAD? 
Well, I had um, frequency and urgency, of course. Uh, I couldn't make it to the bathroom in time. Um, I had to uh, make sure there was a bathroom wherever I went. And, um, and I had to go a lot of times a, d a day and night when I was sleeping. And, and how were your symptoms treated? Well, I had to do a, a diet change, uh, basically a lifestyle change. And um, I had to get physical therapy. And, and there's also uh, other advanced uh, therapies that they have. What other treatment options are available for OAB? They are almost as diverse as the symptoms are, actually. But we typically start with diet changes. Foods that make the urine more acidic can be a problem. So that's coffee, tea, carbonation, acidic fruit juices, and so forth. So we start with diet changes, behavior changes, not drinking a lot before you go to bed, perhaps drinking more, perhaps drinking less, depending on how much you take uh, baseline. Uh, if that doesn't work, we have physical therapy and medications. Approximately 80% of patients who come to me for this issue after medications uh, have the symptoms resolved, but for the 20% that don't, there are advanced therapies, as Nicole mentioned, uh, and these can be as diverse as Botox to help get rid of that urge and that little squeeze that makes you leak. Uh, and if it's a nerve problem, then we actually do something called Interstim, which helps control the nerve signals to the bladder. And as our, our parting thoughts, what do you both want our listeners to know about overactive bladder? Um, that that you can you could talk about it. Don't be embarrassed, and um, you know, talk to your physician. And if you don't want to go to your physician at this point, uh, there is a website available by the Urology Care Foundation called It's Time to Talk About OAB.org, and you can certainly start your search there. This has been another episode of Business Life and Coffee. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure that you celebrate National Bladder Health Month by going to the website and learning more about how to protect your bladder and seeking out a physician that can help. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Good morning. This is the Business Life and Coffee podcast. This is Joey Price, CEO of Jumpstart HR. While people often think pink in October, it's important we also see green, the color of liver cancer awareness. This is one of the deadliest cancers in the world and claims the lives of more than 65 Americans each day. Joining us today is liver cancer specialist, Dr. Schwartz from Mount Sinai Medical Center and Thomas Nealon of the American Liver Foundation. Welcome. Thank great, you. Great to be here. Now, Dr. Schwartz, how do people find out that they have liver cancer? Are there any symptoms? There are symptoms of liver cancer, but they occur at a late stage, and so that the way we like for people to find out about it is because it's found when we look for it. There's screening recommendations, and anybody who's at risk, I'm sure we'll talk about who that is, should have ultrasound examinations performed every six months, and this way we can find it at an early stage where we have a good chance of curing it. Okay. And again, Dr. Schwartz, 25,000 Americans lose their lives each year due to liver cancer and the number is steadily increasing. Why is liver cancer on the rise? In the United States, the primary reason has been the epidemic of hepatitis C, which started back in the 1960s 
and has continued on through the, the rate of liver cancer is estimated likely to peak in around uh, another five years or so. Uh, but of course, uh, people may be aware that we now have effective treatment for hepatitis C. Increasingly, the biggest risk factor is turning out to be obesity and diabetes, which leads to fatty liver, which can cause cirrhosis indistinguishable from what, uh, what alcohol can do. And, and this, this also causes liver cancer. Now, Tom, based on your experience, what do you see as the biggest barrier to screening? Well, I think the biggest barrier, Joey, is that most Americans are totally unaware of the risks of liver cancer. Um, there was a survey conducted or sponsored by Bayer Healthcare that showed basically one in 10 Americans understood what the risk factors are. So that's why we are you know, proudly joining with them in the Are You At Risk campaign to make sure that people are aware of those risk factors and to the extent that any of them are, you know, resonate with that individual, that they will then pursue early detection because early detection is critical to the success of any form of treatment. But as Dr. Schwartz said, you know, many of those people are people who you know, potentially have hepatitis C, and it's why the CDC has encouraged virtually, excuse me, all uh, baby boomers born between 1945 and 1965 to get tested for hepatitis C because maybe 80% of the close to 4 million people who potentially have hepatitis C don't know it. So you should get tested for hepatitis C, and if it's a positive test, certainly make sure that you then see your physician about getting screening for liver cancer because unfortunately, there's a high probability that that is another condition that you're gonna to need to have addressed. Thanks, Tom. And Dr. Schwartz, what is the chance of survival when diagnosed with liver cancer? It depends on the stage at which it's diagnosed. When we find it uh, through screening, as I described, we have an excellent chance of curing it. Maybe 75, 80% of people will be alive and well five years later. If it's found only when it presents with symptoms, uh, it's almost always late stage and the survival is typically less than a year. Now Tom, what is the American Liver Foundation doing to raise the awareness of liver cancer? Well, we have a interactive campaign going on across the country which will be encouraging people to learn more about liver cancer. We also, on our website, liverfoundation.org, have a wealth of information available about the campaign and about liver cancer, and we encourage people to go there. And as I said, if they identify any potential risk factor that they're concerned about, they by all means should immediately consult with their physician because early detection is critical and, you know, basically, you know, 95% of the people who will come down with liver cancer are 45 and above. So if you're in any of those categories that Dr. Schwartz or I have identified earlier, um, go consult with your physician because the, the early detection is so, so critical to the outcome. And Tom, uh, last question. Where can we learn more and find resources regarding liver cancer? Well, I encourage people to go to our website, liverfoundation.org, and they'll find more about the Are You At Risk campaign and more about liver cancer and what actions they should be taking. 
Dr. Schwartz, Tom, it's been a pleasure speaking with you all today. Uh, this has been another episode of Business Life and Coffee. One more thing I might mention in view of the name of your show is that we've talked about risk factors, but coffee actually has been proven to be a preventer for liver cancer. So I encourage people to continue drinking coffee. Oh, great, great. I'll definitely make sure we, we share that. Another episode of BLC is in the books. And speaking of books, have you read any good ones lately? Sign up for a free trial of Audible by visiting audibletrial.com BLC. With over 180,000 books to choose from, you'll find the perfect book to work towards better health, a better you, or a better business. Or you can listen to a fiction book and relax. Visit audibletrial.com BLC. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, we want to hear about it. Follow me on Twitter at JVP Said and leave a five-star review on iTunes. See you next week.